Thank you. Hey, everyone. I'm Jamie. <laughs> Good to meet you. Um, yeah, I loved, I loved what uh, David shared earlier about the intimacy that, that we have here and the, the, the sense of, of being spirit-led, uh, the intimacy. I mean, yes, we're relatively small in number and that lends itself to intimacy, but there's that sense of, of being here for God, with God, led by his spirit, and there's a wonderful intimacy that comes from that uh, with him as well. And yeah, oh, that's sort of my prayer as well for, for this time we've got now in, in the Word, is that it be spirit-led. I don't want to just be here talking. <laughs> I, want, I want the Holy Spirit to be leading what I'm saying and stirring your hearts, speaking into your hearts. So, yeah, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us with that. Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you lead this time? Would you speak into our hearts? And would you bring us ever deeper into intimacy with you and change us as we encounter you in your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Lots of prayer, but you know, you can't go wrong with lots of prayer. So when I looked at the, uh, the, the preaching rotor to see sort of what I was down for next, I saw the title of, of the preach for this week, and it said, Rejoicing in Suffering. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, okay, oh, that'll be an easy one. <laughs> um, and before I sort of properly launch into it and we, and we read the, the verses together, I, I just want to say from the outset that we need to be really clear in what the Apostle Paul is talking about in these verses. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. But just before we read it, we're not talking about senseless suffering in the depths of despair. You know, I just think that rejoicing in suffering can be one of those sort of jarring Christian cliches for someone who is in a moment of life where it is a time of lament, where it's a time of despair where it's a, it's a time of grief, of deep sorrow. Um, you know, the, the, the Bible is, is, has got a strong theme of, of lament in it, and I just want to lift the burden of, of anyone who could go into this preach on rejoicing in suffering, thinking, <laughs> I don't know, I you know, it, that, it could just be jarring. I've been there. I've, you know, I've had times in the past, grief, depression. There are just moments in life. So I'm not about to preach at you for 20 minutes 
about <laughs> how you should be at a different point in, in life. If you are in a time of lament, then you're in good company, because if you look through um, the Bible, I mean, there's a whole book on it. <laughs> it's the book of Lamentations. Um, you know, you look through the Psalms, you know, Psalm 13, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? I'm, Psalm 25, I'm lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress. Jesus himself, he wept when his friend Lazarus died. There is, a, there is a time, there is a moment in life for lament. So, and just in terms of application on that, sometimes what we need to do is, is just be there for each other and, 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 and not just be quick with the, with the right answers or to quote Bible verses at people. That can be helpful and good and right in time. But I think I shared this before, just the example of, of Rick Warren, the church leader in America, when his son sadly um, committed suicide, and he, he shared about how his life group just came round to his house the night that, that, his, that his son committed suicide, and they just were with them, and they cried together through the night, and that's all they did, and there was a moment for that. There wasn't any rejoicing going on. So please, let me just lift that burden, okay? If, 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 if you are in a moment, then, yeah, we need to, we need, we need to um, be there for each other, be present as God is present, listen, it says in Romans 12, mourn with those who mourn um, and rejoice with those who rejoice. Um, but yeah, I just, just, just want to sort of, yeah, be clear with that from the start. So let's now, oh, and also before I <laughs> move on, um, you know, if you are in, in, that, in that place, do share it. It's so easy to keep things to yourself. Make sure you do share it so that we can mourn with those who mourn. Um, and let's love each other in it. Um, so let's open 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians. I'm really tired, by the way. I'm, <laughs> I'm so tired. So if I start sort of saying the wrong Bible verses or misspeaking, bear with me. But I trust God will use me <laughs> as I am <laughs> uh, this morning, which is tired. Um, so it's Colossians, not Corinthians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to 29. Let's see the kind of rejoicing and the kind of suffering that Paul's actually talking about here. So verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. 
I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously labor with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And So we see that his rejoicing is in the suffering that he is suffering for the church. I rejoice in my suffering for you, he says. And here's the thing. The Apostle Paul has just expounded, as we heard last week from our Paul, Um, This incredible vision of Jesus, this glorious revision, uh, this glorious vision of Jesus in all his majesty, in all his greatness, in all his beauty as the creator and the sustainer of all things, all things made through him and for him, him ruling over all things and making peace by the blood of his cross. And the, the Apostle Paul he is moved and motivated by that vision. Our Paul, I'm flitting between the Pauls, our Paul is sharing from, from that last week how when we see Jesus for who he truly is, we, it, it, we cannot help but reorder our lives around him and center our lives more truly and fully on Jesus. And that's what the Apostle Paul is doing to the point of suffering. He, he so centered his life on, on Jesus. He's so wholeheartedly giving himself to the things that Jesus has given him to do that he's willing to even suffer. And he shares in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter Uh, 11, just what some of those sufferings were. Uh, He he says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. 
Now, in our culture, that kind of suffering would be an imposter. It'd be an intruder. It'd be something to be avoided and vanquished, something to try and get out of, of, of your life because the motivating vision for life in our culture tends to be self-preservation, self-fulfillment, self-comfort, anything for an easy life. But for Paul, his vision is the beauty and majesty of Jesus in all his power and his love poured out for the church. So Paul is happy to also pour himself out for the sake of the church, even when it involves these sufferings. And you see in the verses, he's willing, and not just willing, but almost rejoicing that he's getting to follow the example that Jesus set. Jesus set the example of suffering for the benefit of others even to death on a cross, that we may be saved and brought to new life in him. So Paul also is happy to suffer for the benefit of others. And it's focused on Jesus, but it's focused on the church. He says he's doing it for the sake of Christ's body. So when Paul sees the church, he sees Jesus the body of Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, the church is not a religious community of worshippers of Christ, but is Christ himself who has taken form among people. I saw a church leader quote that this week as I was preparing this. And he commented on it. He said, this is a staggering truth that should produce in us awe, humility, and love for one another. So look around you. Look around the room. You're looking at Jesus' body. He purchased each one of us by his blood He lives in us. He's here. And it's precious. And so for all our faults and flaws, for all the things we get wrong, for all the ways we might occasionally rub each other up the wrong way, uh, for all the things we might get wrong in terms of um, how things are run, or you might disagree with other people's theology in the room, or whatever it is, there's something incredibly sacred, something incredibly precious about who we are together. Jesus Christ's body. And we can love each other with the love that God gives us, the love that the Father has for the Son. He shares that love with us, fills us with that love and we can love each other with that same love, even to the point of suffering. And you know, when 
Paul is saying that I rejoice in my sufferings for you, I think that's just another way of him saying, I really love you. I really love you. Because when you love someone, suffering doesn't hit the same way. I love my sleep. I'm passionate about my sleep. Beth's laughing because I nap most days. And I used to get a bit grouchy and a bit grumpy if my sleep got disturbed. I remember in our last, no, not our last house, two houses ago, um, we had a neighbor whose son just decided at one point that it was a great idea to start playing his rock music at about half past 11 at night through to about half one, two in the morning every night. And he was literally the other side of our wall. And oh, I felt, did not feel like a Christian at all. I, 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 was, I was not, I was not tolerant or holy. I would just lie in my bed, just fantasizing about what I'd say if I went round. <laughs> and that, because it was disturbing my sleep. I was, it was always just as I was dropping off, and then there's okay. But here's the thing, right? When, I, when we had children, when I had children, you did great. <laughs> when, when, when we had children, when we had children, the thing is, like, they, 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 they arrive, and then you, you try and go to sleep, and then you're not allowed. You're not allowed. They, 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 they don't let you. They don't want you to. They just they scream at you. And... The bizarre thing was, is that I didn't mind. And I, I wasn't preoccupied with how it was affecting me. And so it didn't hit the same way. It didn't hit the same way because I loved them. When you, when you love someone, the suffer, the, if you suffer for them, it doesn't hit in the same way. I think, of, I think of the war in Ukraine as well. You know, we, and you hear a lot, I mean, thank God they've, they've been having success. And you hear a lot about sort of the poor morale amongst the, 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 the Russian soldiers. And I think of the Ukrainian soldiers suffering terribly. They are serving a vision. They are serving a purpose in love. Loving the place that, that they live. Loving their parents. Loving their wives. Loving their children. And so they're willing to suffer and the suffering doesn't hit the same way. I don't know what the vision or the purposes of, of the Russian soldiers. But when you suffer for what you love, it's different. So Paul says, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Because he is serving the greater purpose of 
seeing the body of Jesus flourish. He is loving God and he is loving people. But it's in a very specific way. And so as we move on to verse 25 and 26 and 27, we see the specific way that he's loving them and what he's so happy to suffer in the cause of. Uh, so in verse 25, he says, it's to present you to you the word of God in its fullness. Interesting phrase. What is the fullness of the word of God? Well, in verse 26, he says, it's something that has been a mystery in generations past, but now it's revealed. In verse 27, he says, it's a fullness that contains glorious riches. He says it is this. This is the fullness of the word of God that is now revealed and is full of glorious riches. It's this surpassing truth. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if we just take a moment, Christ, this is the Christ that the Apostle Paul has been talking about, that Paul, our Paul preached about last week, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the one in whom all things were created. It's all for him, from him and for him, all thrones and powers and, and, and rulers. He rules over them. He's before all things and he holds it all together. This almighty, majestic God of the universe, Jesus Christ, is in you. Let that sink in. And you know that's his heart. I love Jesus' prayer in John 17. And one of the things he says in that prayer, he prays to his Father. He says, I have made you known, so Jesus to the fathers, I've made you known to them, so his followers, us, and I will continue to make you known. Why? In order that the love you have for me may be in them, and get this, and that I myself may be in them. That is his heart. That is his desire to be Christ in you. And it's the hope of glory. What does it result in? It results in glory. Glory now and glory to come. So let's just take a moment to, to think, what does glory mean? What does this mean, Christ in you, the hope of glory? I mean, if we're talking about glory, we're talking about God, firstly. Okay? Um, we're talking about all that God is in his character his goodness, his love, his kindness, his compassion. And it's talking about his attributes, his greatness, his fullness, his completeness. He doesn't need anyone or anything. He is complete in himself. He's all powerful. He's all wise. He's beyond compare. And the... <laughs> glorious, and his glory is, is his active radiating of all those things. 
You know how it says in, in Hebrews as well, doesn't it? Um, that, that he is the radiance of God. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. His glory is just a display of his splendor. It's his active presence. Making all that he is active and effective and on display. And the incredible thing is, is that he's not just glorious, sort of high and above it all, just saying, just look at me, aren't I great? We should do that, <laughs> all right? But that's, that's, that's not, the, that's not the, the, the full deal, because God, part of his glory is that he's the kind of God who wants to share his glory. That's why it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we get glory now, because as we contemplate him in his glory, we get transformed into more of his glorious image. It's partly what, um, it's what Paul's talking about in verse 28 in Colossians 1 here, where he says that we warn and teach everyone with all wisdom so that we may, may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Mature means more fully developed, more fully formed, eventually becoming complete. He's making us complete. He's transforming us to be more like him in his glory. And so how do we participate in that? Well, it's two things. It's what Paul preached about last week. It's about seeing and savoring Jesus. It's contemplating him in his glory, meditating on it. For us, meditating isn't emptying our minds. It is filling our minds and hearts with Jesus, with his word, with the truth and promises of all that he is. It's contemplating Jesus in his glory. In that Corinthians verse I just said, it's, it's we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. That's, they're, they're the people who are being transformed, the ones who are contemplating his glory. I won't say too much because Paul preached on that last week. What we've got here in these verses, Paul's saying you know, that he's warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. I think what we can take from that is that we need to be teachable and we need to be open to, to warnings and to correction as part of the transformation, and that's part of us becoming 
more glorious, <laughs> sharing in the Lord's glory. Um, a couple of weeks ago, someone contacted me and said, I've, I've got a word from God for you. Can you come round? I really need to share it with you. And I had the opportunity to go and see them. They don't, they don't live around here. They live an hour or so away. Um, yeah, they're, but they're you know, sort of mature person in in Christ who I who I know and trust and so I went and they said a lot of things but one of the things they said is I feel God is saying to you that you have some hidden sin and it's around your self-image I thought wow <laughs> okay <laughs> And do you know what? Um, my instinct uh, in the moment was I, I dismissed it. I thought, I don't think I do. I don't, I don't think I've got hidden sin that's around my self-image. I don't, and I went home and I, I wanted to sort of, sort of honour honor God. And just so I went home and I said to Beth, do you, do you think I've got a problem with, <laughs> with self-image? <laughs> And um, sort of needing people to see me a certain way. And she, she said, no, I don't, I don't think so. So I, I dismissed it. But then I was preparing this preach about being transformed more in, you know, into, um, into the image of, of Jesus and him sharing his glory with us. And I prayed. I said, God, please, would you transform me? What would you say to me? Um, you know, I want to join in. I want to, you know, I don't want to be tone deaf. I want to want to hear and obey. And I felt him say straight away, yeah, you know, there was that conversation. You dismissed it. You brought it back to mind. And I said, do I have a problem with self-image? And I instantly felt the Holy Spirit resonate in me, saying, yes. And with that, reveal that actually I do have a deep sense, which I think is hidden in me most of the time, that need to, to be accepted and, and liked by people. And I, I felt God just draw me back to my teenage years. And I was incredibly lacking in confidence as a, as a teenager. And I was desperate <laughs> for people to like me. Um, and, you know, I, I, I tried to mold myself to be what people would like. And I felt God show me that there are elements of that that have, have, have lived with me ever, ever since that time. And so I've tried to sort of justify myself as in, in terms of justifying my, my worth as, as, a, as a person by make, making myself acceptable to people. And doing that sort of through my own efforts and my own behaviours, the way I speak, the things I say, the way I treat people. It's like Captain Subtext is behind it all saying, like me. <laughs> uh, 
um, accept me. And so obviously the motivation then is not loving God and loving people. It's trying to make myself more secure. And it isn't trusting or honoring or believing God in who he is and what he's done for me to justify me and accept me. Um, Lizzie shared beautifully that image of God embracing us all. That welcome, that acceptance. So, rather than me trying to justify myself, um, rather than me making God too small and people's opinions too big, I was able to repent and yeah, say, say sorry and let God touch that part of my heart that's still that insecure teenager <laughs> that just wants to be liked and accepted. And I trust and I know that there is a work of transformation there and that he is freeing me and that he is speaking his truth of his love. And we were singing it, weren't we? Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. He accepts us by the blood of his cross, forgives us everything we've, we've done wrong. And so I take hold of those truths and he's transforming me. And so I would ask you, what might the Holy Spirit want to gently warn you about this morning to help you so that you may be transformed more and more into the glorious image of Jesus? It can be difficult. It can be uncomfortable. And I know for me, when I first became a Christian, I was all about this. Like every day I was like, Lord, show me what's wrong with me. <laughs> I want to be more like you. And as I've gone on in life, and I've got busier, because I was a philosophy student back then, so <laughs> I, I, had, I had a bit more time <laughs> to, to think and reflect. Um, but as life's gone on, I've become a lot busier, and it's so easy to just go through life sort of unthinkingly and oblivious to you know, things going on under the surface in, 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 in my heart and mind. But don't go sort of into a place of sort of, oh, there must be something wrong with me and I must, you know, obsess about what's wrong with you. We live in a place of freedom and grace in Jesus. And yet, at the same time, there are things that will be holding us back from a, from a, from being mature, from being fully formed, from having uh, a more complete um, just ability to enjoy God and walk close to him and love him and love people. There are things in our hearts that get in the way of that. And there's an incredible opportunity that we, that we have to open our hearts, give ourselves fully and say, Lord, 
I give myself to you in my flaws, in my faults, in my fears, in my doubts. I give myself to you. And there's a beautiful exchange that happens. We give him those things. and He gives us glory. He gives us transformation into the image of Jesus. And that's a glory that we're involved in now. But it doesn't end there. Because there's also, praise God, a glory to come. One day Jesus will return. And I'm so grateful for this. And the older I get, the more grateful I am. Because the more I just see and am impacted by how fallen and broken this world is. You know, I started by talking about lamentation. And Jesus is going to come back and put all those things right. And we will be fully transformed when he returns. We will be raised from the dead. We will have resurrection bodies. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 that the body that is sown, so our earthly bodies that we have now, it's talking about, the body that is sown is perishable, but we will be raised imperishable. Our earthly bodies, they'll be sown in dishonor, but we will be raised in glory. We're sown in weakness. We will be raised in power. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. It's the fulfillment of the transformation. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. How will we be changed? 1 John 3, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Nathan, if you could come back, that would be great. We'll be like him, fully transformed. How do we know? What hope do you have that that will actually happen? What hope do you have that there's a work of transformation that can be outworked in your life right now? What hope do you have? Let me tell you, because of what Jesus has done, because he died on a cross for you, because he raised, he was risen from the dead, resurrected three days later, because he ascended on high and he reigns there now, because he sent his Holy Spirit to live in you. Hello. Good timing, mate. <laughs> because of all these things, you have the risen Lord Jesus living in you. And Christ in you is the hope of glory. Let's stand. Maybe if you just know that there are things in your heart keeping you from God, 
things in your heart that need to be transformed. Maybe just bring those things to God right now. Start to receive that great exchange. Forgiveness of sins. Transformation. Healing of wounds. And being made more like Jesus. Transformed into his glorious image. The old is gone, he would say to you. The old is gone and the new has come. You are dead to sin. You are alive in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Lord Jesus, it is our joy to give ourselves to you. And it is our joy to suffer for you. Because we know that even in our sufferings, you are transforming us and you are transforming all things to bring your glory and make all things new. Our faults, our fears, the things in us that maybe we're ashamed of right now, we give them to you. a tender, compassionate, merciful God. And you would take these things from us and in exchange give us your embrace. Your blood has washed us clean. And we embrace you because you are embracing us. Oh Lord, change us. Make us more like you. Help us to contemplate you, to meditate on you in your greatness and your glory, your wisdom, your power, your love and your compassion. You are high and holy and yet you're with us. You're with the contrite in heart. We're humbled. Holy Spirit, would you come and do a work here now? Would you come and do a work in us? Would you change us? And Lord, I just entrust all of us. Just reminded that as I was trying to prepare myself this morning, I asked God, is there anything you want to say to me? gave me the verses of Jesus' baptism where the Father speaks to the Son to Jesus as he's being baptised and he says, this is my Son who I love with him I am well pleased and I just, and I needed to hear that for me because it's true for us he has made us sons and daughters maybe there's just some here who need to hear that now Maybe you struggle with acceptance like I do. And you just need to hear the words of your Father in heaven who loves you and who is near, saying, you are my daughter. You are my son. My daughter. My son. 
and I love you. With you, I am well pleased. Help us, Lord. We love you.